Welcome to New Catholic Church. You're listening to this week's sermon by Pastor Daryl Finkson. Father, what an honor it is to be able to sit in a room and know that you're here with us. This morning, Lord, I'm asking you in, by the power of the blood of Jesus that we as a group of people could enter into the throne room this morning. That we could sit at your feet. That you would open up our hearts and our eyes, the eyes of our understanding. That we could recognize that we had access to the very throne room of God and that, Father, that right now, you want to speak to us. You want to show us your love. You want to show us how we fit. So I'm asking you to draw all of our attention from the here to the there. That as this message is proclaimed, that Father, that you would be in the midst of us. With our imagination, we could see your face. We could hear your voice. We could feel your touch. May you receive honor, glory, and everything that's said and done. We honor you this morning. We worship you. In Jesus' name, for his sake and for our good, we pray it. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 8. We'll get there in a moment. Have you ever overheard a conversation that was beyond your pay grade? Have you ever been privy to some information that you felt guilty for knowing? In other words... Have you ever just kind of been in on something that you wondered if you fit there? We started last week, started 2020 with the idea of, in a series called I Pray. We talked about prayer being more than just talking to God. Prayer is a real, personal, interactive relationship between you and God. It was never meant to be a ritual or even religious. For me, and I'm coming to understand that prayer has always been the breath and the intimacy of communion, of relationship. In Christ, we have been brought into a real personal interactive relationship with the creator of the universe. In Christ, we have the right to boldly, Hebrews tells us, to enter the holy place where God himself resides in all of his glory. God has invited us to share in his life his purposes and his blessings. Jeremiah 33.3 is kind of our overall theme. For God tells Jeremiah, Call to me and I will answer you and I will tell you marvelous and wonderful things that you could never figure out on your own. The blood of Jesus has given us every right to relate to the Father in personal presence and conversation. In Christ, you have real access to the Godhead. Call to me is his invitation. In Christ, you have every right to expect an answer because God said, I will answer you. And in Christ you have every right to expect God to give you revelation that you could not have known or you could have never figured out on your own. Now that all sounds glorious, doesn't it? But let's get to the living level. How many of you, when you get around somebody you consider important, end up saying something stupid? just me I remember the first times that I got into the presence just the 
the fellowship of, of Jimmy Evans and Robert Morris and some of those guys and Bobby Connor. I remember the first time we picked up Bobby Connor from the airport. Here's a prophetic minister that travels all over the world. And I always have that foot and mouth disease. You know, I always put my foot. And then you get away from that and you think, why did I say that? I've got a feeling that many of us, while all of these expletives, the, the, the glorious things that are available to us through prayer, I think that sometimes we think if I really was to pray what I'm thinking, God would think I'm stupid. I, the reason I'm saying that is because that's our tendency. While we know the, the ramifications of what's available to us, we tend to live into the smallness of our own thinking. I think of the story of Peter being invited by Jesus up on the mount. We call it the Mount of Transfiguration. And Jesus is there. And, and the glory that is inside Jesus as the Son of God suddenly becomes revealed outside to those around him. And Moses and Elijah appear on the mountain. And Peter, being Peter, can't keep his mouth shut. And he says, now think of this, it's good that we're here. Like, duh. It's good that we're here. Let me build three tabernacles. In other words, just let me build some space up here and we'll just live here with you. And then all of a sudden, a cloud comes down on them and a voice speaks from the cloud and says, This is my beloved son. Hear him. Now, the next time there's anything mentioned about Peter, he's on his face on the ground thinking, that was stupid. I was talking about what I didn't understand. And I think sometimes we feel like Peter that somehow, that if I really was to really get honest and get in the presence of God, you know, that somehow I'd mess it all up. This morning, I want to share with you, I think, such an incredible joy that, and hopefully an answer to you. What do you pray when you don't know what to pray? What do you pray when you don't know what to pray? I asked you last week to read Romans 8, 26 through 39, and I'm not going to ask you how many of you did. But I want us to begin in Romans 8, 26. It says, likewise, the Spirit also helps our weaknesses and our weaknesses, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself makes intercession for us with groanings which cannot be uttered. Now, we, now he who searches the hearts knows the mind of what the Spirit is, because he makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. Now, here's the promise. The Holy Spirit helps when we don't know what we should pray for like we ought. That's good news. In fact, the Holy Spirit himself is praying for us. The Holy Spirit is praying for you when you don't know what to pray. Now let that just settle for a moment. The Holy Spirit is right now praying for you when you don't know what to pray. Is anybody in here the least bit curious about what he's praying. And here's, here's why I'm saying that. that. That just struck me. If the Holy Spirit's praying for me and he's praying according to the will of God, then why don't I want to know what he's praying? We've kind of taken it for granted that we can't know. We've kind of taken it for granted. Well, I don't know what I brought to pray for anyway, so I'll just let the Holy Spirit pray and I'll just groan. Well, let me tell you, if Bobby Connor, the prophetic minister that we have coming here every once in a while, in fact, he's coming in June, all right? Bobby Connor, if, if Bobby Connor was here and he walks up to you and he says, man, God has given me an, an incredible word for you and turns around and walks out of the room, what would you do? I have a personal relationship with Bobby Connor. I know Bobby Connor. I can tell you what I'd do. I'd chase him out of the room and I'd keep nagging him until he tells me what that word is. Why is it 
that we hear that the Holy Spirit is praying for us according to the will of God and we don't have the least bit curiosity about what he's praying. In fact, verse 33 of Romans 8 says that Jesus is praying for us. I got an idea that Jesus and the Holy Spirit are praying the same thing. And if he's praying according to the will of God, the Holy Spirit praying according to the will of God, in other words, he's praying what God wants prayed. I want you to get this. It's like the Father is saying, this is what I want to do for New Covenant Church. This is what I'm wanting to do, so ask me to do it. And the Holy Spirit begins to ask him to do it, and Jesus comes into agreement with him to ask him to do what the Father already wants to do. How many of us would like to be a fly on the wall? The title of the message this morning is Eavesdropping on Heaven. I want you to know that you've been invited into the throne room what the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are saying about you, about this time, about what He's wanting to do on earth in this day. They're already talking about it. And he's praying for us of how we are to participate in it. And yet we're sitting back here saying, go for it, God. What if God is just waiting for us to eavesdrop and enter into the conversation that he's already having with himself about us? Anybody interested? Would you like to know what the Holy Spirit and what Jesus and the Father is talking about you? how he sees your future, how he sees this year for your life. Call unto me, and I will answer you, and I'll show you wonderful things, glorious things that you could never figure out on your own. I think it's time we learn how to eavesdrop on heaven. Wouldn't it be great if we listened instead of abutted in? To find out what God is wanting to do and then asking Him to do it. God wants to, here's Romans 8, God is wanting to work everything together for good for you who love Him and are called according to His purpose. In fact, He knew beforehand, planned for us to be molded and formed into the image of His Son that Jesus might be the firstborn of many just like Him. And these God purposed, he called, and he made right that we would be seated with him in the heavenlies in glory. And if God is for us like that, who in this world can be against us? He didn't hold anything back, even to the extent that he gave up his son for us. And if Jesus, if God didn't spare Jesus but gave him up in our place, will he not give us everything else that he's planned and purposed? There's no charge that this world can bring against you. There's no accusation that the enemy can make or condemnation that can stick because Jesus is pleading our cause as he prays for us. Nothing in life or death can separate us from his love. We're going to win. And we are right at this moment overwhelming conquerors because of him who loves us. And the invitation is... Come on in. Listen. Hear. Prayer is taking our rightful place in a real, personal, interactive relationship that is secure with Christ in the Godhead. It is the atmosphere of living communion with Him. It's the place where we get to fully know ourselves and know Him and know how to participate in His purposes on earth. And let me, let's admit this. That's totally different from me going into God with my list of wants and fears to ask God for help. So let me show you what I've discovered in Scripture about eavesdropping on heaven. Starting in Genesis. It's going to be on your screen because there's so many scriptures that you'd be flipping your phone and you don't even have a flip phone. Some of you may still have a flip phone. Genesis chapter 18. God chose a man named Abram, promised to bless him, chose him out of idolatry, 
promised to bless him and make of him a nation in which all the world would be blessed. Abraham, his name was changed to Abraham. He believed and responded and followed God. And God and Abraham entered into a covenant of relationship. And I want you to look at Genesis 18 because I'm talking about eavesdropping in heaven. Genesis 18, verse 17. And the Lord said this, Shall I hide from Abraham what I'm doing? Since Abraham shall surely become a great and mighty nation, and all the nations of the earth shall be blessed in him. For I have known him in order that he may command his children and his household after him that they may keep the way of the Lord. That's important. To do righteousness and justice. That the Lord may bring to Abraham what he's spoken to him. Shall I hide from Abraham? Now, it's, it's like God... Now. So much of the time, we have a hard time find, seeing how God spoke in the Old Testament and how God speaks in the New Testament. I got an idea, God's God and he can speak any way he wants to, but I think so much of the time, we make God like we want him to be and not like he is. I got a feeling God hadn't changed. And God made known to Abraham what he needed to make known to Abraham, like God has made known to you what he needs to make known to you. And you can try to say, well, was it verbal? Was it, you know, was it words? Was... It doesn't matter. What matters is that Abraham understood he was being spoken to. And the reason I'm saying all that, because we all get in a tizzy about how God's changed. He doesn't do what he used to do. No, I think God's doing more than he used to. Because the end is getting close. But the whole point is why. And I, I gave you that for free. You don't have to pay for that one. Why was he speaking to Abraham? Why was he not hiding something for Abraham? Because he had predetermined a plan for Abraham that he was going to be a blessing and he wanted Abraham to know him and to know how to respond to him in such a way that Abraham would bring up his household after him that they would keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice. And so God begins to speak about Sodom and Gomorrah and the evil, the wickedness that had been crying out to God, that had been rising up in a cry to God. And God says, shall I hide what I'm about to do? from Abraham because I want him to know me and so God begins to say what he's going to do because he says I'm going to come down and, and see what this is and the whole idea there him coming down means that, 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 that his presence wasn't manifest at that moment the whole problem I'm trying to say is let God be God alright now God begins to say and Abraham listen to this Abraham enters the conversation. God is saying what I'm going to do. And Abraham enters the conversation. Look at verses 23 through 25. And Abraham came near and said, Would you also destroy the righteous with the wicked? Suppose there were 50 righteous within the city. Would you also destroy the place and not spare it for the, for the 50 righteous that were in it? Far be it from you that to do such a thing as this, to slay the righteous with the wicked, so that the righteous should be as the wicked. Far be it from you, shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And that's the key. Shall not the judge of all the earth do right? And if you remember, Abraham continues, and he low, continues lowering the number. Well, what about 45? Well, what about 40? What about 30? What about 20? What about 10? And every time God, he's in a conversation with God. God has already said, this is what I'm going to do. And Abraham enters the conversation. He eavesdrops on what God is saying and he enters the conversation and begins to ask questions and begins to make assumptions. Shall not the judge of the earth do right? There's a difference between righteousness and wickedness. Will you not spare the wicked if there's just ten? And every time God says, I'll spare them, I'll spare them, I'll spare them, even if there's ten. In other words, had there been ten in Sodom and Gomorrah, God would have saved them all. That's what he's saying. Well, you know the story. God didn't because there wasn't ten. There was only one. One family. Lot. Let's read. In chapter 19, we find that indeed God does destroy the cities. 
And in that verse, verse 29, it's what I want you to see, Genesis 19, 29. And it came to pass when God destroyed the cities of the plain that God remembered Abraham and sent Lot out of the midst of the overthrow when he overthrew the cities in which Lot had dwelt. The word remembered in Hebrew is God was mindful of Abraham. Abraham eavesdrops on God. God's saying what he's going to do. Abraham enters the conversation. God answers him and yet go and destroy Sodom and Gomorrah. And yet before he destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah, God remembered he was mindful of Abraham who had entered the conversation. And he took Lot out. And let me tell you this. He didn't take Lot out because Lot wanted to go. He took Lot out by the angels, grabbing him by the hand and forcing him to leave. And he was told to go up the mountain, but he didn't. He was afraid of going up the mountain. So, so God led him to go to Zoar. Lot said, "Can I go to Zoar?" So God saved the city of Zoar so that he could, so Lot could be there. And Lot ends up in the mountains where God told him to go to start with. But the whole point is this: God did something for Abraham. God stayed true to his own holiness, and yet he did something remembering Abraham. And Abraham learned something about God. Abraham learned something about himself. He learned that he could talk to God. He learned that not only could he talk to God, but that, he, that God listened, that God answered, and that God was available God, he could know what God was going to do and speak concerning it. And he learned that God was more gracious than he had known. That God didn't destroy the righteous with the wicked. He brought Lot out. What are you saying, preacher? I'm saying that Abraham had access to God and he could call upon him. He could get an answer from God. And yet God showed him things that was hidden, never figured out on his own. You want to see another one? Say yes, because I'm going to say it anyway. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah chapter 6. Isaiah is a prophet of God, one of the major prophets. Isaiah for five chapters in Isaiah had already been prophesying in most of his prophecies. What we tend to think prophecy is, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you, woe to you. But then in chapter 6, something encounters uh, Isaiah in such a way that he says, woe to me. In Isaiah 6, verse 1, it says, It was in the year that King Uzziah died that I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings they covered their faces, and with two they covered their feet, and with two they flew. They were calling out to each other, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory and their voices shook the temple to its foundation and the entire building was filled with smoke. Then I said, it's all over. I'm doomed for I'm a sinful man. I have filthy lips. And filthy lips means I've been talking about what I didn't know. And I live among a people with filthy lips. That means they've been talking about what they don't know. Yet I've seen the king, the Lord of heaven's armies. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a burning coal he had taken from the altar with a pair of tongs, he touched my lips and with it, and he said, uh, see, this coal has touched your lips. Now your guilt is removed and your sin is are for forgiven. Then I heard the Lord asking, whom shall I send as a messenger to this people? Who will go for us? I said, here am I, send me. Isaiah has an encounter where he sees the Lord. He enters into the throne room. He sees his glory. He hears the angels declaring. He sees himself. He sees his own sin and his misunderstandings. Up till then, he didn't know what he was talking about. An angel comes and touches his mouth with a coal from the altar and removes his guilt and forgives his sin. And then he heaves drops on the Lord. He hears the Lord saying, it didn't say, Isaiah, are you listening to me? It's like God is just saying out in the heavens, who will go for us as a messenger to this people? Who can I send? And Isaiah, now think about it. He's just, he just arrived in the throne room. 
He's just been overwhelmed with his own sin, and he's felt the power of his forgiveness. And he recognizes God has a request. And he answers. Now, I don't know about you, but when God speaks up, I probably need to shut up. But he answers. Here I am. Send me. And here's how I know Isaiah's human. Because after God said, yes, you can go, Isaiah says, how long? Isn't it amazing when God tells you what he wants, you think, oh no. How long? What's this going to mean? How are we going to do this? And God's answer is so beautiful, until... And I can hear you saying, yeah, preacher, that was Abraham. That was Isaiah. Abraham, the father of the faith. Isaiah, the prophet of the Lord. Isaiah, this wasn't the only time Isaiah heard him. Isaiah received some of the greatest prophecies, the most compelling prophecies of Jesus, the kingdom of God, and God's plan. In other words, God showed him what he was going to do. And in Luke 4, 18, Jesus himself stands up in a synagogue, opens a scroll to Isaiah 61. And he says, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me and he has anointed me to, to proclaim the good news. And he goes on and he rolls up the scroll and puts it down and he says, today this prophecy is fulfilled in your hearing. Do you know what he just said? Isaiah heard God and proclaimed said and I got an idea Isaiah prayed his prophecies and Jesus stood up in Luke 4 18 and he fulfilled what Isaiah saw hundreds of years before by eavesdropping on heaven now we relate that to old let me show you some in the New Testament in Acts now, here's the thing. I could show you Jesus' prayer life, and I could show you all of that, and here's what you would say. Yeah, but that was Jesus. Because we tend to do that. You see, it was Abraham. It was Isaiah. It was Jesus. I'm going to share with you Peter and Paul, and you're going to say, yeah, that's Peter and that's Paul. I'm telling you this. God is no respecter of persons. What he did for Abraham, what he did for Isaiah, what he did for Peter, what he did for Paul, he's wanting to do for you. The invitation is open. You've been birthed into the body of Christ by the blood of Jesus. You've been welcomed into the throne room by the blood of Jesus. You have every right of anybody written in the Bible. And let me tell you this. When you put people in the Bible on pedestals, I can hear them cringing in heaven. Because according to them, they would be so much less than you because you have the Holy Spirit living in you. Don't let the devil sell you short of what you have in Jesus Christ. Oh, I could get excited. Acts chapter 10, verse 9. The next day, as Cornelius' messengers were nearing the town, Peter went up on the flat roof to pray. Now, notice where he went. Notice what he was doing. He went up flat roof to pray. It was about noon. He was hungry. I've been hungry in some of my prayer times. But while a meal was being prepared, he fell into a trance. He literally saw the sky open. Something like a large sheet was let down by its four corners. And in the sheet were all sorts of animals, reptiles, and birds. And then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, kill and eat them. And he said, No, Lord. I've never eaten anything out of our, that our Jewish laws had declared impure or unclean. But then the voice spoke again and said, Do not call something unclean if God has made it clean. The same vision was repeated three times. Then the sheet was suddenly pulled up into heaven. And the next verse says Peter was perplexed. Now, have you ever, most of the time we read about this sheet coming down from heaven and we think, oh, that's great, and Peter got it. It took three times. Three times. Why would it take Peter three, seeing the same thing, hearing the same words three times, before, and even then, he's still perplexed. Here's why. Because what he was seeing didn't match up what he had always thought. And let me tell you, sometimes when you eavesdrop into heaven, you're going to hear things that doesn't match up with what you believe. 
You see, much of what we believe is what we've always thought. But God has given us an invitation to come up. And let me tell you, when you really eavesdrop on what the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit are really talking about, about what's going on now, I got an idea. It's not going to be what you think. And it'll not be according to what you think. And I, I, you've got to set your heart to hear heaven and not <laughs> have your input. What I mean by that, say, no, Lord, I'm not going to do that. Don't change what God is saying. And the reason I'm saying that is because I want to tell you something. Most of the time we go to God in prayer already believing we know what God is going to say. Don't look at me like that. I know you do too. Most of us go to God in prayer hoping we'll hear him say something. Fearing to even say something. And if we're real honest, most of us go out of fear and worry and frustration and, and we take our list to God and, and, and doubt whether he'll ever answer. And I want to tell you there's an invitation to step in, to eavesdrop on heaven and hear what God's going to do so that you can enter in on it and it gives you opportunity to converse with him. Let me go on. Peter, there's a knock, three men at the door. He goes with them. I've sent them. Peter goes, and the gospel is open to the Gentiles because Peter was eavesdropping on heaven. Acts 9.10, Paul, Saul of Tarsus, he beats Jesus on the Damascus road, and he's struck blind. They lead him into the, to the, uh, the city, Damascus, and there's a believer in Damascus. Look at verse 10 of Acts 9. It's on the screen. Now, there was a believer in Damascus named Ananias. And the Lord spoke to him in a vision, calling Ananias. Yes, Lord, he replied. The Lord said, go over to the straight street to the house of Judas. And when you get there, ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul. He's praying to me right now. Do you get that? Ananias, minding his own business... All of a sudden, eavesdrops into heaven. God not only tells him what to do, he tells him where to go, who to call for, and tells him what the man's doing. And Ananias says, Lord, I've heard of this man. Are you sure? He's been killing them. And now you're telling me to go to him? And God says, you go to him because he's chosen, he's my chosen instrument to take my message to the Gentiles and to the kings as well as to the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. But I love verse 12. Let me just read it. I have shown him a vision of a man named Ananias coming in, laying hands on him so that he can see again. Isn't it amazing? God tells Ananias what Paul is seeing. <laughs> now, he's not Paul yet. He's Saul of Tarsus. But he's been transformed. And the blood of Jesus Christ has cleansed him. And literally he now can eavesdrop on heaven. And while he's praying to him right now, I've shown him a man named Ananias. And Ananias, if you don't go, I'm going to have to create another Ananias. Because my will is going to be done on earth as it is in heaven. So Ananias goes. He lays hands on him. And God lets him see the scales. It falls the scales from his eyes. And that was the beginning of Paul starting to eavesdrop on heaven. Let me just, there's too many to read, so I'm just going to list them for you. Let me just tell them to you. Acts 16, 9, Paul has a vision. A man from Macedonia, northern Greece, was standing there pleading, come over to Macedonia and help us. So he decided that they would leave for Macedonia at once, having concluded that God was calling us to preach the good news there. He had a vision. In other words, he was eavesdropping and God had a, man, a picture of a man of Macedonia saying come help us and Paul took it upon himself he just had the audacity to believe that what God was saying in heaven could be true on earth and he goes immediately and he concludes that God's sending him there okay let's look at another one Acts chapter 18 verses 9 and through 11 one night 
the Lord spoke to Paul in a vision and said, Don't be afraid. Speak out. Don't be silent, for I am with you, and no one will attack or harm you, for many people in this city belong to me. So Paul stayed there for the next year and a half teaching the Word of God. This was Corinth. There was such a mess going on. All this, it was idolatry was everywhere. And the threat was everywhere. And God gave him a, he eavesdropped on what God said he was going to do. And he stayed there another year and a half. Because he heard what God was doing. Two more. Acts 23, 11. The Lord appeared to, to Paul and he said, Be couraged, Paul. Just as you've been a witness to me here in Jerusalem, you're going to preach the good news in Rome as well. And Paul set his heart for Rome. He didn't realize that Rome was going to be gotten there by prison. He was put in prison. He appealed to Caesar. Now he's going to be sent to Rome. And he's on his way to Rome to fulfill the word of the Lord. Acts 27, 23 through 24, as they were on a ship going to Rome and a storm came up, they should have never left. But a storm comes up and an angel of the Lord appears and Paul hears that nobody's going to be hurt if, ever, if everybody will stay on the ship, though the ship is going to wreck. Don't you like that? How about if God told you your ship was about to wreck? Here's the next word. But no soul will be lost. Isn't it funny? Because what he told the sailors, that even though the ship's going to wreck, you stay on board because no soul, God's told me, no soul's going to be lost. And every soul of that shipwreck was saved. And Paul went on to Rome. What, am I, what are you saying, preacher? I'm saying God is inviting us in to hear what he's saying he's going to do, what he is doing, and what he has planned. And we learn how to pray in agreement with God, is wanting, what God is wanting to do. You want to hear one for you? 1 Peter 4, 7. But the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be serious and watchful in your prayers. Now listen to this. He didn't say the end of all things is at hand. Get busy. He didn't say, get after it. He said, get serious and watchful. Where? In your prayers, because most of the time what we get after is not what God's saying. He's inviting us to come and see what He's wanting to do and then agree with Him and ask Him to do it. That, in its essence, is what prayer is all about. Why? Because He knows what's good. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the only one. He knows what's best for you. Wouldn't you like to know what God has in 2020 for you? Wouldn't you like to eavesdrop on heaven and hear the, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit and what they're saying about your plan? He's already predetermined a plan. He wants you to fit in your situation in such a way. And He's inviting you to enter into a prayer relationship with Him to where you can know it and pray it. The end of all things is coming to hand. Get serious and wide awake in prayer. So how do you do that? How do you eavesdrop on heaven? Let me just give you, I believe I saw in the first service, there's six. How do you eavesdrop on heaven? Number one, give God your attention. Give God, I could say your undivided attention, but I want to say I believe you can give your attention to God when everything's divided around you. Give your attention to God. In other words, let what God has to say be more important to you than Fox News. Let what God has to say be more important than CNN or anybody else or whatever. You're, the whole point I'm trying to say, fix your attention on God. Give God your attention first. In other words, God, what are you saying? I know what everybody else is saying. What are you saying? Don't get caught up in predictions and prophecies and all that. Go to the throne room. 
You may hear what's being predicted. You may hear what God has given in prophecy. But go to God for yourself and stop letting everybody else move you by every wind that's blowing through the nation right now. Give God your attention. That may be scripture. But don't read the Bible for the facts and the story, the, the facts and the, the, the figures and the memories. You read the Bible for relationship. Read the Bible for God to speak to you. In Acts chapter 5, verse 20, some 40 years ago, God let some verses of Scripture stand, and it didn't fit the context. It didn't fit anything. And here's what it said to me, to Daryl. Here's what I eavesdropped from heaven. It says, go, stand, and speak in the temple all the words of this life. And for the last 45 years, I've been trying to, I've been going, standing, speaking the words of life that God's been giving to me. I heard from heaven by opening the Bible and letting God speak to me through that. I kept, Connie and I came to New Covenant because of Psalm 121. That God brought it off and said to you, I'm going to take you to the hill country and I'll guard your going in and your going out, coming out from this time forward. Nothing will harm you. I'm walking in that promise still today. 33 years later. Why am I saying this? You have that opportunity to step into the throne room and hear what God is saying about you. And you agreeing with that in prayer and walking in it because He has a plan for you in 2020. Give Him your attention. Get still. Most of us have a problem getting still between our ears. I can get still and have my quiet time and my mind be bouncing off the ceiling wall, floor, back, left, right, all the things I've got to do. How do I get still? Let me give you a key to getting still. Take what you think is a diversion to God in prayer. Well, God, I've got all these things to do today. I, you know, hurry, show me, God, what you want to tell me. Tell me what you want to tell me. Help me read. Help me see. Because I've got all these things I've got to get done. To get that under control, take all these things you've got to do. Get done to God. God, I got all these things got to get done today. What do you have to say about them? What do you want? Is there a priority? Is there something you're wanting to say to me in this? And before I start into it, do you want to have something to say to me of how I walk through it? Is there some instruction? Is there a word? You know, I'm going to go see so-and-so. Lord, do you have a word for them? What are you doing in their life? How can I be what you want me to be there? All of a sudden, what was become a diversion becomes an opportunity to hear the voice of God. Give thanks. Worship. Praise. When you've walked with God over a period of time... You have no problem looking back and seeing the things you were more, most fearful from, about, worried about, fretted about, doubted. All of those things, God has been faithful and he's brought you. And he has been, start thanking him, praising him, worshiping him for who he is. Show him his grandeur in your heart. Lift up those things. Turn your attention. Get still and praise and worship God. Put on music if you need to. But here's the point. Remind God you know who he's shown himself to be in your life. And then listen. Listen. Let him love on you. Listen with your mind turned to the reality of the Lord's presence. So I asked the Lord how to do this as I was preparing this series and in my office, I have a desk, and I, I, most of my time I spend at the desk, and I'm studying with my laptop and those kind of things. And as I was praying about this message and looking at it, this has been a week and a half, or two weeks ago, all of a sudden, over in the left side of my office, I have a round table, and it had three chairs around the round table. And in my mind, my impression was, Daryl, what if I'm sitting at that table? Come over and hear what I'm saying. I'm inviting you to enter the conversation. And so I'm telling you, in my imagination, in my thoughts, 
I just wanted the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit to be right there, and I wanted to hear what they had to say. And so I just said, what are you saying, Lord? And suddenly, Scripture began to come to mind. Here's the other thing. Faces became. I saw people's faces. And I heard some instructions. And all I'm telling you is, all I did was got still enough to turn my attention to listen. I began to ask him, okay, what does this mean? What am I supposed to do with this? What do I pray? What are you wanting to do? How do I pray for it? Ask questions. What does this mean? What am I supposed to do? How am I, what are you saying? What, what am I supposed to do with this, what you're saying? And the, third, the, the next thing is, write it down. And so I journaled. And I, when Chris first came here, I said, the first thing, Chris, I want you to do is I want you to start journaling. I want you to start journaling. And while I was telling him to journal, I'd quit. And so one of my instructions around that table that morning is, Daryl, start journaling. I'm going to be talking. Now, you know, that got me excited about journaling. Because he said, I'm going to be talking. I'm inviting you this morning. Give your attention to God. Give him your attention. Get still. Worship. Listen. Ask. Write it down. Hear the script. Write down what you see. Write down what you hear. Write down the scriptures that come to mind. If you've been reading a passage, write down what God said to you in that passage. In other words, you just set some things before you. You're eavesdropping on heaven and you're putting down things that God may be saying. And then you can take them and over the time, then I've been, I'm still praying about what God showed me two weeks and it continues to unfold and expand. Do you understand what I'm telling you? It's a living relationship with God. And suddenly prayer, instead of being a duty, I've got to have a quiet time, I've got to do it, it becomes the most exciting part of my day because I'm recognizing I'm meeting in the throne room with God and He's talking. And I get to pray what He's already wanting to do. And you know what happens? My prayer ceases to be request and becomes a proclamation of what God has already said. And I'm praying over some people what God has said for them. Call to me, I'll answer you, and I'll show you things that you could never figure out on your own. Let me just say this. There's no difference between anointed prayer and unanointed prayer. It's prayer. There'll be times you don't feel like it. Times you don't even want to. Feeling and even faith may not be there. But when God speaks, there's an impartation and there's an encounter. Faith comes by hearing. Faith may come after prayer. And also remember, prayer is working on you as well as the answer. In every situation... If you read Romans 8, 26 through 39, you realize that God has a pathway that enables you to become more like Jesus. It's like God saying, if you'll follow the way I want you to pray, you will not only have the answer to that prayer, but you're going to grow up in me. I've predetermined, I have a predetermined thing that I want you to become in every situation. I want to give you more of myself. I'm for you. I will answer you. I, you will follow me. Nothing will separate you from my love. For far too long, we've prayed with anxiety and with fear and nervousness and doubt. It's time for joy and confidence to return to our prayer life. And before you know it, prayer will suddenly shift from asking to proclaiming. And suddenly you will not be praying to get an answer. You'll be praying with an answer. Let me go back to that one verse, 1 Peter 4, 7. This is in the message. Everything in the world is about to be wrapped up. So take nothing for granted. Stay wide awake in prayer. There's nothing you could do greater for 2020 for your walk in your life than to spend time with God in prayer.
I want you to bow your heads with me. I want you to focus on what you perceive to be the throne room of God. If you want to use Isaiah, whatever you can do, just in your imagination right now, in your mind, you're in the throne room. And there in the throne, there's the glory of God, the Father. At His right hand is the Son. And the Holy Spirit is busy, not only here but there. And they're entering a conversation they're talking about you. Just listen in. What's he showing you? What do you see? Is a face, a situation, a scripture? Let me tell you, some of you won't believe what he's saying because he's so much in love with you. He has such an incredible way of looking at you. You're his favorite. In fact, the things you've been worried about, he's already got design to take care of them. Let worship rise up. Ask him questions. Lord, this is what I'm seeing. What, what does that mean? What does that mean for me? What does it mean for them? Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we praise you for our situation. We know you have a plan and a purpose for all of us. We give you thanks that you are with us and that you are for us. I ask you to show us your ways, to teach us your path, to show us your will. That I may be conformed to the image of Jesus in the situation I'm in right now. Show me your will that I may confidently and joyfully cooperate with you. I want to ask you to do what you've already planned on doing. And Lord, I'm listening. May what's going on in heaven come to be a reality in this room right now. And we say it back to you with thanksgiving. You who give the word, give the power to accomplish the word. So we trust you. May it be so now. By the blood of Jesus Christ and the faithfulness of his spirit to make it a reality. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this week's message. For more information or to listen to past sermons, go to newcovenantlampasses.com.